Hey girl, welcome to the Get Your Guide Coaching Podcast. My name is Anwar White, but you can just call me your own personal dating and relationship coach. Each week, you'll hear actionable advice, tips, and strategies that you can implement in your own love life. I'm talking about healing your heart, dating effectively, and understanding men so that you can, you guessed it, get your guide. Are you ready to level up your love life? All right, let's go. Hello, my loves, and thank you so much for joining me today on the Get Your Guy podcast. I have a very special guest, someone I am so fascinated with because there's so many times where I get questions from listeners or women, potential clients, and they want to know, how can I read someone? How can I know if this guy is trustworthy or a liar or a narcissist or anything like that. And I have the guest that is going to give us all of the amazing knowledge that we need to know to decipher and distinguish between all of that. Please help me welcome Lily Walford. She is the CEO and founder of Love with Intelligence, and she is going to explain all things in terms of how to read a guy. So Lily, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you. It's going to be so much fun. I'm so into all of this stuff. Why don't you talk to our listeners about what you do exactly and how you work with your clients? Yeah, so I am a relationship and dating coach, but I specialize in something called behavioral profiling and body language. So I've partnered up in business with a guy called Chase Hughes. He's a world leader in behavioral profiling. He's taught um, about two and a half thousand military operatives to a Jason Bourne level and has something like $30 million worth of um, uh, government-backed research around psychology. So um, uh, we know we're quite lucky to be able to use that research and apply it from life or death scenarios to relationships and dating. So how yeah. to actually see how people can connect, who's compatible, who's a narcissist, and being able to read people in just six minutes or less. Six minutes is such a short amount of time. It's so <laughs> crazy. What have you heard from people in terms of who you work with and how you've been able to really help them? I believe it's it's more around being able to have confidence to know that you're on the right track. Because I think when people go into dating and they meet someone and we get the rose tinted glasses on Mm -hmm. and you know, that's it, we're well away then. It's over. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So to be able to have the logical backing of going, okay, well, this person's actually right for a long-term relationship. This is um, the reason why you are compatible. This is um, uh, who they are. So this is the way that they're going to act and what drives them. So you can really understand whether you're in the right relationship or not, and also whether it's healthy and it's, it's going to be successful for the pair of you, which I think yeah. is so important. I love that. I think a lot of people go into it with pure heart. And I think a mix of head and heart is, I think, the optimal way to kind of be approaching these things. And it sounds like that's what you're doing for your clients. So that's so amazing. So how did you get into this work, girl? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't everyone want to be like a behavioral profile when they grow up? It's very like the things that you see on TV. You know, it's like, so interesting. 
Yeah. So I actually started off as an accountant. So I worked in oh my corporate gosh. and, uh, you know, when you work in corporate, there's no such thing as an emotion. You're just, do, you know, doing things, everything's so logical. Yeah. And oh gosh, I went from like toxic relationship to toxic relationship. Mm. Um, I went through a very horrible narcissistic relationship. I was stalked for five years. And oh my God. It got to the point where it was like, okay, enough's enough. I went through a massive breakup with someone and got to the point where you know you hit rock bottom and it's okay you rebuild your life re-lookings of how you actually want things to be and um uh, and from that I found things like NLP hypnotherapy and I thought that was great but I kind of found that a lot of the focus is around self-love and confidence and self-worth and the more I looked into that it made me realize that it's not going to stop a predator it's not going to stop um uh, you know someone preying on you because it's not just about you it's about this other person that you're attracting into your life as well so I mean for example you know a wolf isn't going to turn around and go oh that sheep's got a load of self-confidence I'm not going to eat that one right if anything it might be like like more attractive because it's going to be more of a challenge right exactly exactly and I think as well the more um high up you are in your career the more you're actually going to be prone to being around you know narcissistic personality types because a very high percentage of leaders um within corporate are narcissists yeah so um you know it made me realize okay this there's something more that needs to be learned here so this is when i went into the behavioral profiling yeah it was just an absolute game changer i mean i think it was something like three weeks after i finished my first course of behavioral profiling i ended up in a relationship and for the, i think for the first time it was like wow i feel confident in knowing that this is the right person for me and also that i can trust them yeah which, which is, is obviously <laughs> everything <laughs> right it certainly helps doesn't it <laughs> yeah for sure for sure awesome okay so Let's get into this. I don't want to waste any more time, girl. I think I first (laughs) want to start off with online dating since Mm -hmm. we're in this pandemic, this pandemic, and so many people are online dating these days. So let's talk about what we should be looking out for and what people's profiles or pictures says about them so that we can make sure that we're actually evaluating these people with as much information as possible. Yes, totally agree with this. So I think to start off with, before you even get on a dating site understand what is it that you actually want in a relationship yes because sometimes you know if we're going into a supermarket absolutely starving the chocolate aisle is going to look great yeah exactly (laughs) and you know we get home eat the chocolate feel like crap afterwards and realize we've got nothing there for a good healthy meal so i think it's really important to have a look at the things that important to you and have a look at what the deal breakers were for you in your previous relationships so then when you're actually looking at a dating profile you can see so much more so when we're having a look at profile pictures um, on dating sites we can see into someone's life we can see someone's routine we can see into what's important to them because the things that they're showing you are things that are important to their life whether it's friends family whether it's travel whether it's uh, those uh, topless gym pics, you know, we mm-hmm. can see so much. And it's it's understanding, okay, is that type of person going to fit in your life? 
I think this is something that people tend to overlook. It's almost like, oh, I can fit into their life and I can mold myself to be the right person for that person. But it's what we need to look at in a healthy way is, is this person right for me? Can they actually fit into my lifestyle? And do you have to compromise in any kind of way of being with that person from what you can see? And the other side of what you can do, you can actually use a lot of the behavioral profiling and profiles of photograph of that person as well so from things that they're wearing the people that they're around and you can actually get a sense of that person's personality and their dreams and fears but that's a little bit more intricate but the things that you can look out for is you know does is that person actually showing their face for starters Are they actually showing their eyes because we tend to see a lot of ones with their sunglasses on with their yeah. face looked away with lots of people around so they're so you know you don't know which one's which this can give you a bit of indication that this person's not quite emotionally open or confident within themselves to actually connect so you're going to know that you're not going to be with that alpha male type of person. You're going to be with someone who kind of likes to blend into the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that you can look out for as well is the emotional range of that person's face. So if you've got someone with like the resting bitch face all the way through their uh, photos, you're going to yeah. know that that person's not going to be really there to actually emotionally connect. If you've got someone properly smiling and, and having fun, you're going to see that that person's, you know, open and happy and good to be around. And another great way of seeing if someone's actually got a genuine smile on their face is just cover up their nose and their mouth. And you can see so much from that eyes if that person's actually smiling. Right. Don't they say you have to have like creases or, or, or something around your eyes for it to be like a real smile versus just a fake one. Oh gosh, you can say, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can, the most easiest way to see if someone's got a genuine facial expression is if it's symmetrical, because if we're doing a fake expression, our face will actually slightly distort it when we okay. smile. So um, uh, half the face will be doing one thing and half the face will be doing another and it will just be ever so slight. And the other way that we can look at this as well is if um, we're in person and if the emotion just drops off the face instantly, you know, like when we give someone a smile that we don't really like and then they suddenly turn away and, you know, we drop that smile straight. Uh-huh. Yes, I think we all know a little <laughs> bit about that. <laughs> oh, yes, we're all human. So this is kind of things that you can look out for as well, you know, seeing if someone's actually genuinely able to emotionally connect, yeah. which is obviously a need. What does it say when there's like pictures of a lot of like pictures with friends or anything like that? Does it say something about the person? Does it not? Am I reading too much into this? No. What are your thoughts? So if you've got someone who's around a lot of people all the time, whether it's like a, a football team, a rugby team, or just a group of people, it can actually show that this person's more of a team player. They're more extroverted. They love to be around people all the time. They're probably going to be more social. um, And, you know, their friends are going to be a big part of their life. So if you're someone who's introverted, who likes to stay in, who doesn't really like to go out that much, you're going to struggle in those kind of scenarios. Um, uh, So it's seeing, again, just what's this person telling you about their life and does it actually fit in with who you are and what you want? One thing that I have to temper with a lot of my clients is like this notion of showing a lot of pictures where they're always traveling, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm here in Bali, I'm here in Peru, I'm in next to the Eiffel Tower. What does that say about someone? 
Well, guess what they enjoyed doing? <laughs> well, yes, obviously, but everyone likes to travel. So like, what does that say more about like their personality and kind of their mindset? I think it all depends on the type of photo that they're taking as well. So is it more like a look at me? Like, look at me, I'm here. <laughs> you know, is it kind of the, the status of being there and traveling? Or is it more about like they're connecting with lots of different people and they're um, doing a volunteer trip and they're helping people? It's how's that person want to be seen? What's that person trying to show me from this photo? You know, is it that they're going to these grand, luxurious places? They're showing, look, I've got this wealth or I've got this status. Is it, look, I'm helping people. I care about people. I'm doing this because I'm a good person. So it's just basically saying, okay, well, from this information I have here, what's the obvious story that's being shared in this? Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, like I was saying before, we are in a pandemic and mm -hmm. oftentimes we're doing many more virtual dates and video calls than before. So is there anything that we should be looking out for in these video dates so that we can best understand uh, whether we should be going on a physical date with someone or not? Yeah. Okay. So there's a few things that we can look out for. So number one, how's the conversation flowing? You know, is it actually ping ponging or is it just about one person? Um, uh, because if it's all about the other person, it's always going back to them. You've got this narcissistic tendency that could be coming up. The other thing as well that you can look out for is blink rate. So how engaged is that person in the conversation? So the average blink rate is 12 blinks per minute. So every so five when, seconds roughly. Yeah. yeah. So when we're having someone blink more than that, it's showing that they're actually disengaged or they're highly stressed. Yeah. Uh -huh. exactly. okay. So um, when we're having a look at something like this, we're going to be going, okay, well, what's the topic of the conversation? Have you just brought up being exclusive on the first date or something <laughs> like that? Because that's going to have a huge, <laughs> right? Um, or, you know, is this person really engaged and is their blink rate really slow and they're really hanging on every single word that you're saying? Because that will give you an idea of how open that person's being. The other side as well is actually have a look at the body language. So what we tend to do and what most people tend to forget to do is baseline their body language. What I mean by this is having a look at what's their norm. And it might take about five minutes to calibrate and just feel into it. But you'll notice um, certain patterns that they might do. They might have a, I don't know, a weird speech impediment, for example. <laughs> they might um, be doing something constantly with their arm or, you know, it's having a look at what's their normal behavior and the things that they do. Um, and then having a look at the deviations from that, which then we can read into. So um, deviations can show whether someone's lying. And we can also have a look at open body language when someone's being really open with you on that conversation so, so talk to me about this open body language because i think that's what a lot of people obviously want to know about is someone yeah. being open right i think a lot of people want open partners so what should i be looking out for when i'm on a virtual date and we're having a conversation <laughs> like what's open body language and what's not yeah so okay when we're really interested in something and, and when we're talking to someone the first thing we're going to do is we're going to lean in we're going to want to know more when we're leaning away and we're um, you know the backs are to the chair it shows that we're disengaged we're not actually interested in, in what's going on mm -hmm. the other side as well is fingers fingers are a great one if we've got our hands extended, you know, you think about when you're talking with your hands, your hands and fingers are always extended. And that shows an openness when you're talking. 
Um, you know, vice versa, when we're having our hands go into ourselves or going into our body, we're showing that we're not comfortable. Um, another thing that we can look for is breathing. Are we breathing from the chest? Are we breathing from the um, abdomen? Or another thing that we can look for as well is we've got crucial arteries. So in our neck, in our arms, in our wrists. So what we tend to do, and this is like the evolution of who we are in terms of protecting ourselves from things that are dangerous to us, we will hide those arteries. Mm. So we'll bring in, we'll actually have our um, uh, shoulders will be slightly up because we're protecting this. We'll actually be protecting our stomachs. So we'll put our hands in the, in the way and we'll be tucking our arms in because we've got this major arteries going down our arms as well. So I'd be looking at, you know, how far are they extending their arms away from their General body? self, yeah. Yeah. Have they got the lowered shoulders? You know, how, how confident are they showing themselves to be on that conversation? Because that will show the open this as well because if we're nervous we're not going to be completely open right exactly <laughs> you talked about different kind of breathing right how would I know that based on just observing you are there different ways that people are breathing and that I can visually see or is that something that I would have to understand physically in real life you can hear it and you can visually see it as well so you can see it in the chest you can see it in the shoulders but even just listen to the breathing, you know, someone who's breathing from here going to be <laughs> every time they're talking, you know, someone who's breathing from their stomach, they're going to have a smoothness. You're not going to hear it as much. And what does that mean when they're breathing in their stomach versus breathing from their chest or their throat? Stomach shows that they're relaxed. They're open. They feel comfortable. When we're breathing from here, there's a stress indicator. We're looking mm. to bring that that oxygen because there's been an adrenaline spike. And this can be just because of um, either social anxiety. It can be from deception. Um, it can also be from, um, uh, you know, slightly being aroused, you know, bringing in that oxygen. Uh-huh. So it's good to always have, like I said, that baseline, but also the context. And the best way to read people is when you're reading people through you know, a few things. You're actually reading in clusters rather than just individual things. So I've never known a good body language expert go, oh, well, they've just slowed their blink rate. So they must be really interested in just relying on just that alone. They'd be looking at how open is that body language? Are they leaning in? So we're looking for this story that we're creating to really understand the context of that person and that situation. Now, obviously, my listeners on the podcast are not seeing you, but every time you lean in, you put your hand out and you actually rest it on there. Is there something to be mm-hmm. said for what that means? Or is it just general interest, just like leaning in? Yeah, is? I think it comes to, down to kind of, yeah, it comes down to the baseline of that person's behavior. So is that a normal thing for them to do? Is it just comfy? You know, Mm -hmm. but you can also have the other side of things of depending on if you're resting your hand on your chin or whether you're actually putting it on your face, this can mean slightly different things as well. So if you're putting your hands on your face, you're covering and putting a barrier between you and the person Mm -hmm. um, whilst you're having that conversation. So that can actually say, well, that person's not being completely open with you because they're putting that barrier there. And you can do the same with drinks, for example. You know, you can put a drink in front of you and another person. You can put, if you're on a dinner date, you can put, (laughs) you know, the menus in the middle of the table, you know, away from the other person. So we can actually look at barrier, you know, creating barriers in so many different ways from hands to, to objects as well. 
Yeah, well, this is a really good segue into physical dates, right? And you've already given us some really good <laughs> indications. So if there are boundaries, either menus or beverages, then it shows that we're not being as open. Are there other things that we should be looking out for when I'm like, let's say we're on a date and we're across the table from each other having dinner? There's loads. So let's go a little bit into the deception side of things. So we can actually read better than a polygraph machine um, whether someone's lying or not. And people are like, why do you need to know if someone's lying? But the big part of this is actually building up connection. Yeah. And you're also also saying, okay, well, is this person someone I can trust? And, you know, I can make an informed decision from what's going on rather than sometimes we can create stories in our heads and make up scenarios and it stops us from being present. So when we're having a look at deception, There's a few things that we can look out for. So we've already talked a little bit about the increase in blink rate. So you're always reading clusters. So there's a few things that you can read from this. So bringing those fingers in can show that someone's not being completely open with you. You can also see if someone pulls their feet underneath their chair. If they're not leaning in and they've got their feet underneath their chair, that can also show that they're not being fully present or fully in that conversation and they're withdrawing. The other thing that we can look for as well is the mouth. So with the mouth, we can look for something called lip compression. And it's just literally when you just press your lips together. So we often see this at the end of a sentence, like, um, yeah, my job's going great. (laughs) And we kind of Mm -hmm. get, we suddenly know that that person's holding something back. And what we tend to find as well from um, what Greg Hartley has shared, when someone does a lip compression at the end of a sentence, they're usually holding back something emotional, which is quite interesting. Yeah. And also one thing that women tend to do is, um, uh, you know, all people have long hair is if they get stressed, they feel the need to pull their hair away from the back of their neck. And it's a way of airing our neck and cooling down. Mm-hmm. So you, you can look that up for people as well. But there's you literally reading clusters. So, for example, if I said, oh, do you know what? I'm looking for a long term relationship. And you go, yeah, me too. And then suddenly, you know, you're attracting your feet and you've done the lip compression and you've sort of leaned away you know I'm gonna get that feeling of okay well you've agreed but your body's like no no yeah (laughs) got it got it because they say that the body language is most of the language 70 80 percent yeah, it depends on who you're who you're talking to because you've got the NLP um, clan that tend to talk about, you know, 7% words, 35% tonality and uh, the rest of it being body language. I would personally say it's almost, I'd say it's half and half. Mm. I'd say, you know, body language I'd say is a good half of it because, you know, you can just look at someone and that you know exactly what they're thinking. Um, And I think language also tells you so much as well. People's language patterns, you can see if someone's being, you know, lying from that. I mean, for example, um, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. That tells me absolutely volumes and just the way that uh, sentence has been put together. You know, you've got the did not, which is separate. Mm -hmm. You've also got that woman rather than that person's name, which tells me that they're distancing that person and also sexual relations. They're trying to make it sound less worse than it is or less severe than it is, which is a thing that people who are guilty tend to do um, rather than same sex. So we've got a lot of things going on in just, that short sentence as well so you're saying bill clinton should have said i didn't have sex with monica Lewinsky." yeah he would have been he would have been more believable (laughs) basically yes okay got it 
quite interesting. If you ever have spoken to someone who's done something really, really bad in life and that, and that they're guilty for, I'm trying to think of something that could be quite a good example. Maybe cheating um, on someone. Yeah. And you turn around and say, okay, so what do you think should happen to someone who's cheated on someone? And if, if you're someone who's cheated, you probably go, well, they're probably feeling really low and probably not feeling appreciated. And, you know, maybe they just needed someone to talk to rather than, um, uh, you know, if you, if you have never cheated, you know, rather than saying, well, I think they should have <laughs> their balls chopped off or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I think this is really important because sometimes people will be having these conversations just kind of in general and you hear that. And I think sometimes women will be like, oh, okay, well, he's just talking in general. When in reality, it can be actually very illuminating in terms of what relation he has to that specific situation. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. So exactly. I think that's actually really useful. <laughs> awesome. I mean, obviously we're talking about people who haven't done such great things. The big, I think, huge word out there is narcissist, narcissist, mm. narcissist. So how can we tell that someone is a narcissist before we can even like really get truly involved with them? What are the things that we can see during the courtship process that may be able to help us evaluate them for who they truly are? Yeah, I think something that's really important as well, because I know that the, the term narcissist has been thrown around yes. so much. So uh, when we're talking about narcissists, we're talking about clinically diagnosed narcissists. And this actually means that the empathy part of the brain is actually underdeveloped. And this is really, really key to understand and understanding how the narcissistic mind works. So for example, because they don't connect with people, they're going to see people as resources like a pen or, you know, <laughs> a book or something to be used rather than someone to actually connect with. So there's a few things that we can look out for. We can have a look out for that empathy. So the way that we actually taught empathy is from children, we actually mimic the faces of our parents. Yes. You know, um, so that's something that we do to really, you know, gain and connect with people. So narcissists, when we're having a conversation about something that's really sad or really happy, they probably won't match that facial expression. Or if they do, it will drop straight off the face. Mm. So like when we were saying about when we smile at a friend that, or someone that we don't really like. Or they look taking away. a picture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and they will drop the, or they'll change the topic really, really quick. You know, you can go, oh, do you know what? I've just mm. lost my job today. And they turn around and go, oh, well, I just got pay rise. <laughs> and it just changes. Okay. So they're not yeah. really going into that empathy side of things. The other side of things as well is have a look at the context of the conversation. Is it constantly for them to big themselves up and big up their status in some sort of way? Now, there's two ways of doing this, okay? Because you have the, yeah, basically two different types of narcissists. So you have the ones that are saying, oh, I'm so amazing. I got to hang around with this celebrity and I've done this and I'm so amazing and I've got this car and they need to do it all that way. Or you have the type of narcissist that will turn around and go, Oh, I did all this for, for people. I managed to help so-and-so with their shopping today. And I just feel like a really bad person. Like I just haven't done enough for that person. And they're mm. looking for that compliment and looking for that buildup as well. So there's actually two types of narcissists. And it's just looking at, are they looking for you to build them up or appreciate them, you know, in that kind of way? So that's yeah. really, really important to know. The other thing as well is, can that person accept the answer? No. 
And this is so, so important to realize. And it doesn't have to be, you know, saying no to someone directly. It can be them trying to control a situation in any kind of way. So (laughs) for example, I'll go into sort of a coaching context. When I work with people, I get people to book a call with me through link. And I've had people reach out to me and say, okay, can I work with you? Yes, that's absolutely fine. Book through the link. And if they are narcissist, I can always guarantee they'll say, well, can you call me in in 10 minutes or can you call me this time tomorrow rather than booking through the link? And it's them looking to control that situation. I don't work with those people because it just shows that they're not coachable. I'm not going to benefit. They're not going to benefit. But this is- They need to do things their way. Yeah. And this Mm -hmm. is the type of things that you can see in a dating context as well. You know, if you're saying, oh, I'd love to go here and they go, well, no, I don't want to go there. Let's go here instead. You know, it's just them controlling the situation for the sake of controlling the situation. So that's a really important, huge red flag to look out for. I think it's one of the main ones that Gift of Fear talks about in their book. Definitely check out that book if you um, have a chance to. We'll put that in the show notes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a fantastic book. But he does talk about anyone who does not accept the the word no, you know, huge red flag, get out. Out, he's out. Okay, awesome. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about this notion of lying versus not. How can we... And maybe you've already kind of spoken to some of these things already, but how can we figure out if someone is lying or not? Yeah, so have a look at the context of the conversation and look at what you want to find out. And I think when you're in the midst of trying to understand if someone's being truthful or not, feel free to ask a few questions. So, for example, someone who's lying about a situation, ask them to tell you the situation backwards because they won't be able to do it. For example, if there was a night out and you're thinking, oh, they got home a bit late, get them to tell you the whole story of what happened, but backwards. And someone who's lying will really struggle to be able to do that. Have a look for the stress indicators that we've talked about, the high blink rate, the breathing changes, the hands moving in. They're also protecting the arteries. Have a look at those when you're talking. So what you're looking for when you're in those situations is groups of three. If you read in three lots of body language, you're going to have a real clear read of whether that person's lying or not. So for example, if you see in the, the breathing rate go up, the eye, the blink rates go up, and also that they're no touching their face, that can be a huge, huge indicator that that person's not being completely truthful with you. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, so obviously, I think a lot of people out there are wanting to understand exactly how do we know if someone is attracted to us or not? So how can we, right? Because I think all of us have a little bit of narcissism inside of us. Oh gosh, yes. Um, So how can we figure that out, girl? Yeah, so there's a few things. So we can actually have a look at the pupil dilating. So the uh, black part of our eyes just expanding. We also look at something called wing dilation. So this is where our nose will actually flare. And this is because we're taking in more oxygen because we're just basically having a huge adrenaline spike and ready to pounce on someone, basically. (laughs) which is a good one to look out for. Also, we're looking for a torso tilt. So that person leaning into you in some sort of way. So usually their torso will kind of lean into you or their feet will be extended out to you as well. And that was, I will just say, that was my claim to fame. When I was in the club and I was with my friends, I always knew who was attracted to me based on where their feet were. I would never really look at their face except for (laughs) to see if I was attracted to them. 
but I would look at their feet and know, and that would be the person I would approach, right? So when you are in rooms, look at the feet, ladies, and understand who's really checking for you. Even if they're not looking at you directly, their attention and their energy is going to be toward you based on the feet. And then you will know if you're attracted to them, if you're not, and if so, how to give them the green light. I love that. I think it's like, for me, it was key. It was a thing where I was able to tell my friends, okay, this guy is really into you. Like, do you want to talk to him or not? And then I would connect them. So I love that you mentioned this because if you weren't going to mention it, I definitely was. Because for me, this is like the thing for me. Like it was 95% sure. It's brilliant. Yeah, Yeah. it's so simple and so easy to use. I think that's the nice thing about it, you know, when you've got something powerful like that to use. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. And any more tips? I just, that's just like my favorite one. So I like (laughs) had to go off of it. (laughs) Another one that you can tend to do as well is the eyebrow flash. So if you want to see if someone's interested in you, just raise your eyebrows at them. And if they raise them back, you know that they're kind of interested. So it could just be a simple, and what this is telling people when you're raising the eyebrows is that I'm safe to be around. I'm not a threat. I'm, Mm. you know, I'm some, I recognize you. And that's kind of the thing that we put out. So when it feels easy to talk to someone, that's usually why. Yeah, I absolutely love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. You know, when I'm talking with my clients, one of the things that I talk to them about is this notion of safety, right? Mm -hmm. Especially as women, right? I think it's important to feel safe in your relationship, in your partnership. And so what are some of the things that we can look out for when it comes to this level of trustworthiness and safety? I think one of the most important things to yeah notice is, do you have a voice? And I think, you know, you know, if you're around someone who, you know, who can respect you, who uh, actually adores you is if you actually are able to have a voice in that relationship. So are they actually checking in with you? Are they asking you, what do you think? Or is there anything that you need? Are they being attentive? Or are you walking on eggshells? Because the moment that you feel like you can't be yourself and that you can't be open, get out. Because, you know, it's not a good place to stay in for the long term. Yeah, definitely. Are there specific things that people can observe to even give us a hint about whether this person might not be trustworthy or safe? I think it'll kind of go back to the the lying aspect and also even the narcissistic traits. Okay. I think as well, you know, when we're going into a relationship and we're going into something that's good, we're also going to feel it. I think, you know, it's having, it's feeling into that gut feeling of, okay, if something's not right, your body's telling you, so listen yeah. to it. But what we tend to find is the the problems that tend to come up from this is from childhood. It's when we've turned around to our parents and gone, oh, do you know what? I don't really like Uncle Sam. And your mum turns around to you and goes, oh, don't give him a yeah don't be so stupid yeah give my hug his family you know we learn from a very young age to suppress what we're feeling yeah so this is this turns out to be when we're in the dating scenario of "Mm, do you know what i'm really not sure about him but maybe i should just give it you know give it a little bit longer and just see where it goes and reason it out and it's like no you're having that physical Yeah, you're having that physical response. Bloody trust it because it's there for a reason. So yeah, I think that's really important as well. Very cool. Very cool. Now, 
as we're talking about all of this, I always ask all of my guests how they got their guy. So <laughs> Lily girl, you're gonna have to tell me how you got your guy. And I'm sure that it had some of this voodoo magic associated with it. Tell us everything. <laughs> so we actually met on a hypnotherapy course. Oh my gosh. So he was there showing off and <laughs> I was there learning. Uh-huh. And um, the funny thing is nothing really happened for a good year we just stayed as really good friends we were talking to to each other about you know dating other people and all sorts and you guys were in the same city um no we're in separate cities we lived um they used to live about two and a half hours away from each other okay but just kept in really good good contact you know you'd be it was kind of those relationships you'd have you know a three-hour phone call but just as friends which is Mm -hmm. really interesting yeah we kind of ended up meeting again you know year later where we'd done loads of personal development separately and had also done a lot of the Chase Hughes um, behavioral profiling courses and we just yeah I think it was three weeks after one of Chase's courses we ended up in a relationship together and everything just sort of hit off from there we just noticed that we were both compatible we noticed that we were both you know liked each other we also had this thing of like you know we wanted to ensure you know, whatever happened, we knew that our friendship would always come first. So mm. we always had that basis there, which was just gorgeous. So now, how did we get from we're friends to now we're in a relationship, right? Because <laughs> I, I think there are a ton of people out there that are friends with people we have. We all have that relationship, right? With someone that is like such a good friend. And sometimes like either one or both of the parties might feel, I get this question all the time. This is why I'm asking. Mm -hmm. Like, "Mm, I'm kind of interested, but I don't know how to get there, right? I don't know how to bring that up. So how did it come to a surface for you all? We we ended up just having like a really great conversation. We were um, talking about relationships in general we were talking about how great we were getting on and yeah it was kind of like just having that open discussion of actually how we felt about each other and it was making that conscious choice of okay do we both want this to be a relationship or do we want to focus on our friendship I think it's it's always takes two people you know it's never about just one person wanting it and the other person just goes in for the ride it's yeah it's being both committed but also being both grown up enough to set to have that conversation and to work together because I think one of the things that we said from the very beginning is that we would always have each other's best interests at heart yeah which really helped in our relationship and how long (laughs) have you guys been together Coming up two years in August. Wow. Awesome. Well, congrats on that. That's amazing. (laughs) Now, for any of my listeners that need to start loving with intelligence, how can they connect with you? Yeah, so they can find me on um, uh, lovewithintelligence.com. We've got loads of free trainings, blogs. We've got a, um, a Facebook community as well. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Awesome. Lily, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been so illuminating. I can't even tell you. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. I've had such a great time. So thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye. Hey, girl. Thank you so much for listening to the Get Your Guy Coaching Podcast. If you like this episode and want to talk with me personally, please book a free consultation at www.getyourguycoaching.com slash apply or Subscribe and leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Talk soon.